Morning, everybody. I said good morning, everybody. I want to say uh, welcome, uh, especially to some good friends of mine from work uh, that have happened to uh, come today, Josh and his lovely wife, and hey, Kylie, uh, uh, who've come out today this morning. And so thank you guys for your support. Uh, I want to tell you that this indeed has been a challenging uh, topic for, for me to uh, prepare for, um, partly because uh, I do know that uh, just coming out of the gates, um, well, first of all, we're not comfortable uh, as a general church culture. We're not comfortable when we start talking about issues related to sex. As a matter of fact, I'd like everybody to say it right now inside the church, say sex. All right, very good. One more time, sex. sex. See, uh, some uncomfortability already. I can sense it. Uh, we're not comfortable with it. It's not something that naturally kind of flows out of our, our mouth. And um, there's other issues like that that, that uh, we have a difficult time even saying inside of a church building. Uh, and, and I think what happens uh, is that because uh, there's not an engagement, uh, then when we get to our homes and when we get into the broader culture, um, we allow the enemy to kind of run roughshod or, or to have his way with the agenda in all kinds of different ways. And uh, the church is not on the forefront of addressing these issues in the way that I believe uh, that the body of Christ should. You know, uh, one famous scripture that Jesus said, or, or not scripture, a, 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 a point that he made, is he said that he would build his church, right? And he said that the gates of hell would not prevail against it, the church, right? And uh, I heard a preacher one time, a long time ago, say that gates don't move. So it's interesting that in Jesus's mindset, he wants the body of Christ. He wants his bride. He wants uh, people who are putting on uh, his, his cloak and, and saying, you know, uh, uh, Lord, we want to be your hands and your feet. He sees the body moving and advancing on the kingdom of darkness, as opposed to the kingdom of darkness having its way and invading in our lives and in our hearts and in our minds. And it's a challenge for us to kind of wrap our minds around um, that kind of mindset uh, because, again, like I said, we, we have a bunker mentality. Uh, uh, we, we, we have a mentality like, you know, as long as we're on the ark and we're safe and we can look around to the loved ones around us, and we can make sure that our loved ones are okay and our loved ones are safe, then we don't have to engage with those people who are flopping around in the water because they should have been on the boat. They should have heeded the message. And that's not the heartbeat of our Lord and our Savior, right? John 3.16, everybody knows the verse. God so loved the world, the whole world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. The whole world, my brothers and sisters, the whole world. We'll continue to build on that theme as we go, and I'll continue to try to be uh, okay with this technology. Oh, I got it. See, it's a little button that says power on. All right. Um, so the big question uh, that I want to jump into, uh, first of all, is why we're even... Uh, talking about this. And I did a little bit of that uh, as we talked about an intro. I do want to say that the Bible is definitely 
uh, uh, our cornerstone. It's our foundation for uh, uh, looking at attitudes and beliefs and mindsets. I also want to um, just share with you uh, that there's an author uh, who is a believer, uh, a part of Regent University, who has um, did a, uh, he's done a great job at really kind of stirring up uh, uh, some thoughts and uh, um, just uh, causing me to look at things uh, from a little bit of a different perspective. Uh, I do want to uh, recommend this author to you. Uh, again, you are not going to agree with everything that this author has said. I do not agree with everything that this author has said, but sometimes it's good to have a commentary. I mean, we have commentaries in our scriptures, right? We have uh, little notes, footnotes down at the bottom, and it helps us to kind of think through things. And so uh, this, this, this uh, uh, man, uh, Dr. Uh, Mark Yarhouse, uh, uh, has uh, written a book, and a, actually a number of different books, uh, but this one that I've read called, is, is called uh, Understanding Gender Dysphoria. And so uh, I do want to recommend this to you. Uh, if you are just wanting to continue to kind of uh, mull through or talk through uh, uh, some of these uh, issues. I do want to tell you that today I have a very limited time. Uh, Pastor Jeremy uh, in the past has warned me uh, the last time that I spoke that no one has ever talked that long before <laughs> in their entire life. So I'm going to try to avoid that. Uh, uh, I want to honor and uh, respect those people who are working in the nursery as well. Uh, so this is going to be a primer. Uh, this is going to be uh, um, uh, uh, a talk that, that, that really sets, I think, uh, what I believe to be uh, some foundations that should help us uh, look and think through some of these topics uh, from a, um, a Christ-centered way. And, and, and I do want to tell you that <clears throat> uh, it's not lost on us, and Pastor Jeremy alluded to this earlier, that we're in a, in a cultural tension, we're in a cultural war, we're in a cultural conflict where uh, those who... Uh, um, I'll put it like this, uh, uh, one, one culture group, one mindset, one approach is uh, do what you will, do what you want. And, um, you know, everybody is, um, has this unique design and you should just chase that uh, till your heart is content. And I have to tell you that that's not in concert with a healthy or a biblical approach. And if you just take a step and think about that from a mindset, if you were to really allow your kids, your children from, from three or four years old, if you were to look them in the eye and say, little Johnny, little Sarah, do whatever you want. Have at it. Live your life to the fullest, right? That would be disastrous, wouldn't it? Uh, I tried that little social experiment on, on one of my kids one year. We used to, in Minneapolis, have a, 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 a street fair and uh, we had all kinds of uh, um, games and air balloons and speakers, and they had candy up the wazoo. And I told my kids, have as much sugar as you want. Have at it. Live your best life. Within an hour and a half, poor little Levi, throwing up all on the ground. It was, it was a travesty. Uh, but we all know that we don't want to, like when we play that out in our mindset, we know that that's not the right thing to do, to do whatever we want. Uh, there's been times in the past, and I'm going to, there have been times in the past year that I've wanted to end people's life. Like, literally, I'm taking you out. All right? I'm just being honest. There's been times where my mind, my heart, if I had the opportunity, it would have been over for that individual. That's not a godly thing to say from the pulpit, but I'm just telling you the truth. If I were to live that way, 
That would be horrible, wouldn't it? And, and, and not only, I mean, I can have that as I'm, I, I'm, being, uh, uh, I'm objectifying someone else or I want to take someone else out, but what about when I cut somebody else off on the road and they choose to have a certain feeling about me? We can't live that way, right? The other side uh, or the other mindset or cultural group is uh, really the kind of the body of Christ, uh, the popular body of Christ. And, and the popular body of Christ we have uh, standards and we have knee-jerk reactions and we have, uh, again, like I talked about, that bunker mentality where, hey, we're on the ark, we're saved, uh, we're trusting in God, everything is going great. And we believe that that's kind of where we need to be. But I want to introduce to you a third option. The third option is to really do things and to have a Christ-centered approach. Uh, church-centered approach is different than a Christ-centered approach. Uh, a church-centered approach is built around, when you look around you, everybody look around you, this is the church here. It's about finding things that we're comfortable with and making justifications with the Bible to say that this is how we should kind of move forward and how we should act, okay? And again, I'm just going to be honest with you that that church-centered approach has gotten us into a lot of trouble historically. The alternative is an authentic, Christ-centered approach where we actually open the scriptures and we look to apply the whole counsel of God's word to our circumstances, our situations, our issues. I want to say today that uh, it's my effort, it's my heartbeat to offer a Christ-centered approach. I want to tell you that uh, I want you to enter into this conversation with your mind engaged, uh, because as much as I've tried to pray and think through and to present to you uh, 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 what I believe that God's heartbeat in this issue, uh, I am not error-free. All of my opinions or my mindset, uh, it's not a thousand percent uh, uh, perfect, although I, it's, that's my heart. I want to be honest and I want to uh, represent the words and the heartbeat of Christ well you as a body of believers be like what the scripture says about the noble Bereans in the book of Acts who when someone came to them with good news they didn't just listen to it hear it and take it hook line and sinker the Bible says that they opened the scriptures themselves and they saw or they sought after whether or not what was being presented was really what the scriptures had to teach and so that's my invitation to, to us as a body uh, to really fully engage to personally engage uh, 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 with uh, talking through these issues. Amen? All right, so this is a hot-button issue. Um, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5 through 9, uh, the, uh, and, and, and I just want to give you the, uh, verse 7 out of that section, and so you can go ahead and read for context's sake, uh, verses 5 through 9, but it says that the chief thing, the first thing, the most important thing for us to do is to get wisdom. And with getting wisdom, get understanding. Okay? The chief thing, the most important thing, the primary thing, the driving force to your relationship is to get wisdom. And after getting wisdom, or as you're getting wisdom, get understanding. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy, for being sensitive to God's spirit. Pastor Jeremy said that the first place that we find wisdom and understanding 
is in the presence of who? Come on now, talk to me. Pastor Jeremy said that if we're pursuing wisdom, the first place, the primary place that we pursue that wisdom is in the presence of who? It's in the presence of the Lord. It's in the presence of God. It's in communing with the Lord Jesus. That's our foundation stone for pursuing wisdom. And Jesus is the word of God, but there's a lot to that, right? Worship, a uh, uh, time in the scriptures, a uh, sensitivity to God's Holy Spirit, uh, uh, applying and acting out things that God has called you to apply. That, that's the part where we really need to pursue and we really need to have our heart do that. It's pursuing wisdom, right? But also it says, get understanding as well. So wisdom, if wisdom is, the, is, is knowledge applied, if wisdom is, is how you act, understanding says something a little bit different. Let me give you an example that everybody in this room should be able to identify with. Uh, how many people are married? Raise your hand. Wow, a good portion of, of the congregation today, they're married. So for males, you should be aware that y'all wives are crazy, right? You're nuts. In my opinion, at least my wife is crazy, right? This woman, in one breath, she can like fillet me and, and have me like weeping in a corner, sucking my thumb, crying like a little baby, right? And then three seconds later, she's nurturing me and building me up and making me feel like I can take on the world. How can you do that in a span of three seconds? over me forgetting to bring home milk. How can that happen, right? Crazy, right? It's just out of this world. Uh, the Bible says, uh, for husbands, deal with your wife according to the knowledge that you have of her. You have to know who she is. Same way is true, uh, women. Y'all know y'all men, your husbands, are stupid, right? So crazy and stupid, right? Then God put them together and off we're running. But, but, but we, have to, we have to be in relationship with each other, not based on uh, uh, what people's popular conclusions are, but there's got to be a little bit of in-depth understanding or behind-the-scenes uh, knowledge uh, to help move the agenda and the relationship forward. Uh, we can't treat every person's relationship. I can't watch Leave it to Beaver and how Wally's dad and Beaver's dad treated each other and the mom and then say, okay, I'm gonna try that in my marriage and in my relationship. It just won't work. I can't watch the Brady Bunch or a uh, 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 pastor and his wife, Alyssa. I can't watch them and then think, okay, that's how I should treat my spouse. No, I have to understand the intricacies, the moods, the desires, the delights, the things that gives my wife joy. I have to study her so that I know how to dwell well with her, amen? So I would submit to you that when I do that, I am walking in wisdom, right? And there are times that I have not done that, and I am foolish, right? And I have to apologize and make excuses and go, see, what happened was, happened two weeks ago. I had to have a, see, what happened was, because I didn't deal well with her, right? So in the same way, when we start to uh, talk about some of these issues, um, we, need to, we need to have a little depth of understanding. We need to take some time to not just uh, uh, make a surface reaction, but, but really take a second to step back 
and look at the full landscape of what's going on so that we don't look ignorant when we're engaging these issues, right? Because there's a lot of ignorance in the body of Christ when it comes to talking about a lot of contemporary issues, and it's simply because we haven't chosen to engage in a practice where we get understanding. It's all what I heard on the radio, what I heard on TV, what I heard from popular whatever, and now I'm gonna come to a conclusion and move forward. We look ignorant when we don't do our homework. The first thing is wisdom. Get wisdom and then all thy getting, get understanding. So as we talk about gender dysphoria, I wanna talk a little bit about some definitions. All right, so uh, I wanna work a little bit backwards uh, right now on the screen is the definition uh, uh, for gender dysphoria. Uh, but I wanna start a little bit uh, ahead of that and I wanna talk about um, this, this principle of Christ, right? Uh, Christ is not Jesus's last name. Christ is the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God, right? So, 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 so in Christ, we have the fullness of who we should be, who we ought to be. It should direct our engagement. It should, it should, it should it monitor uh, whether or not we go to bed at night thinking or understanding if we've done a great job or not. Uh, it should be the, 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 the northern star in which we set our compass. Are we walking in the anointing of God? Are we a part of his healing presence in our engagement with this lost and dying world? Are we really being the hands and the feet? So when I read scripture and I see how Jesus is interacted with people, uh, uh, when I live my life, do I see echoes of that? Not that we could ever be Christ, but, but we're supposed to be his hands and his feet. We're his bride. We are, are trying to, to, to look more like him every single day as we walk on this earth. Amen? Amen. And so a Christ-centered approach means that that's where our heartbeat is. Understanding his presence and, and how he would act and, and what he would do. Uh, uh, back when I was uh, uh, about 10, 10, 15 years ago, maybe it was 20, we had that WWJD bracelet thing, right? What would Jesus do? I wish we had that as a movement still so that it would really impact how we interact with others. Gender. I'm going to tell you that as simple and unconfusing as this is for me, male, female, it is more confusing to people who are working in this professional field. Uh, and I put air quotes up because when we talk about what's going on in popular society, not only is there a realm of gender, male, female, there's also roles that are associated with that. There's also sex that comes with that, and I'm not talking about the physical act of sex, uh, and I'm not sure how, I'm unclear how the, 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 the popular world, how they identify and differentiate between gender and sex. It's confusing to me. There's, it's like a big mishmash of, ah, I'm confused by it. But it's important for us to know that gender, when we say gender, as people who are following the scriptures and who are Christ followers and who use the word of God to guide us, and we're engaging in others who are not in the faith, when they say gender, it may mean something totally different. So it's important for you to make that mental note. The last word up there is dysphoria, and it simply means, it's a fancy word for confusion. So gender 
confusion. I don't know why they didn't just say gender confusion. I mean, if I was writing the definition in the word, I would have just said gender confusion. But no, we have dysphoria. Maybe it just sounds more fancy. So we are living in a world where there is gender dysphoria. You see the definition that's up there? Uh, the one thing that I would, I would uh, uh, add to this definition, and I apologize for those people who are looking or listening to this on the podcast, uh, and, uh, and to be a help for you, you can pull that uh, a definition up on your own and look at that. Uh, but, and I'll just say that the one thing that I'll add to that is that this definition seems to deal with a lot of psychology and a lot of emotions and, and a lot of things that's going on in the brain. And what I want to tell you is that one thing that's left out when people are confused about gender and gender identification is the, the physical realities of that. Because there are some individuals, and we'll get into this a little bit later, who have physical properties, physical realities in their bodies that cause confusion. And it's a real thing, right? Uh, we don't talk about, with this definition, what's going on from a spiritual standpoint. Because uh, just as much as um, nature can dictate how we act and how we interact, uh, the nurturing of or human cultivation also has a part in what causes some uh, gender dysphoria. So it's not just the emotional and the uh, psychological. There are other things that uh, are added to that. Um, I want to tell you our, our, our focus verse today, and I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I prayed about it. And as I prayed and I arrived at this verse, I said, uh, Lord, I think you're tripping because this verse has nothing to do with gender dysphoria. And I was encouraged to be obedient. And so I'm being obedient. And actually, as I worked through this, how the Holy Spirit, how God, in my opinion, brought these things together, it became crystal clear in my mind and I went, wow, amen, God. Uh, and I hope to uh, also bring you to a place where you say, wow, amen, God. Uh, famous uh, passage of scripture from Romans chapter three. And uh, we want to look at uh, starting at verse uh, 23. And the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as a appropriation through faith in his blood to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. I've, uh, I've highlighted a couple of focus words that I want to spend just a little bit of time on. The first highlighted word there in yellow is the word... One more time so that they can hear you on the podcast. The word is all. all. Now, there's sometimes in the Bible where all doesn't mean all. Okay. But in this particular passage, all means all. Okay. So when you look around the room again, 100% of us are all. Every single one of us. Second key verse is, uh, or not the key verse, the second key word is a word I've also highlighted, and it's the word, well, the word is send, right? And so it's an action that's there. Uh, but I've, I've, I've pulled out the root, and I've highlighted the root, and the root is sin. And, and for those of us who uh, are 
Christ-like in our approach, Christ-centered, and also involved in the church. Uh, uh, sin should not be an unfamiliar topic to us, okay? All sin, which means that every single last one of us have in the past, do, maybe even now, and will in the future fall short of God's standards. It's just, you can't escape it. It's true, right? Every single last one of us. Now, there are sins of omission, which means I'm, I'm in violation of God's word, and I didn't even know it. And so it's almost be like if I said it is a sin for you, or it's a violation of the standard for you to not be seated in the congregation this morning. And you had no idea that that was what the standard was. Here we have Chad. He's in the back looking handsome. How you doing, sir? Uh, we have people, da people downstairs, uh, uh, people who are listening in the nursery. Uh, if that was the standard, then they mistakenly have fallen into sin, right? It's a sin of omission, right? It's a sin that, oops, I fell into it. Didn't even know that that was going to be what was going to happen, right? Uh, then there's the sin of commission. And this is the sin that I'm very familiar with, okay? It is a violent, purposeful violation and opposition of God's word. I did it because I wanted to do it. And I knew I wasn't supposed to. And I would, I would, I would, I would venture that there's a lot of us in this room that have had many moments, except for Grandma Betsy, uh, many moments <laughs> where that has been our heart. Amen? All of us have sinned, and we're ashamed of it. That's why I didn't get a robust amen when I just said that. Every single last one of us have fallen short of God's glory. Every single last one of us in many ways. There is none who can say that I am righteous. There's none who can say that I'm Jesus. Everybody has fallen short. Everybody is missing the mark. Next yellow word there is the word justified. And so uh, what's key to understand here in this word, and, and, and I'm, I'm taking my time here, is because this is a foundation for, for what a, an appropriate mindset is when we start talking through these issues, is, is you think about when you sin, you become a debtor to God. The Bible says that the wrath of God is stored up for the children of disobedience. And when, when God is coming to collect because of our sin, it's going to be messed up because there's wrath in store as the payment. But, and, 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 and if you think about like the, the, the judicial uh, weights and, and ba uh, uh, balances, when you have something on, on one side of it, uh, one is down low and the other one is, is up, up high, right? So the justification means that, that Jesus comes on the counter side of that and he removes the impact of our sin before God's eyes. He justifies us so that there is a satisfaction for God from God's perspective. Now, I want to remind us real fast that the only thing that we've done to be justified is the second line that's up there, which is we've just identified with the payment that Jesus Christ has made for us as he shed his blood on the cross. We've agreed with that. We said, yep, I, I need that, and I agree with 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 
the fact that I need that. And so that's what justifies us. Now, there's repentance that's there. There is an understanding that there's a a commitment to a renewed and a changed life and a relationship with Christ and, and allowing him to live his life through us. But this is a key factor for us as we're kind of moving forward. It's Jesus who balances the scales for us because all have sinned, right? So let's look again at sin. I want to tell us that sin is a very pervasive issue. It's a very pervasive issue. Uh, It not only affects uh, uh, um, our lives as individuals, but sin affects creation. Sin affects creation. Did you know that? So when God initially made the world, and, and he formed everything and, and, and put everything into its existence. And remember, there's a beautiful garden in Eden. Uh, it didn't have the, the, the calamity and the turmoil and the, 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 the difficulties that, that our world has now. And part of the thing that, that leads us to that understanding and that conclusion is that the Bible says is that when, when Jesus is ready to restore it all, he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. The reason why he has to create and he will create a new heaven and a new earth is because the old one has been contaminated. It's been malaffected by sin. In the same way, humanity has been affected by sin. Not only in our acts, but in our physiology. Okay, and you're going to see that in a minute. But I'll just say that, you know, even today, right now, we have a lot of different disorders a lot of different things that we struggle with, a lot of different things that even physically uh, are challenges for us. And and the Bible says again, that when Jesus fulfills all things, we're gonna get a new body, right? A new glorified body. That includes a new brain. It includes just a new, so everybody can look forward to this. Now picture this, your glorified body. Your glorified body, five foot three, Highly melanated, with a little bit of a belly. We're going to look good, y'all. We're going to look good. Amen. Sin impacts all of creation in ways that we can't even imagine. So what does it really look like for us? What does it currently look like in our world? I want to point out to you some statistical data around gender confusion in particular. Because I believe that the reason why we have confusion or gender confusion is because of the impact of sin on our world. And I want to tell you that this gender confusion, it's it's a big umbrella, right? So part of the big umbrella, in my opinion, is um, what is popularly called transgenderism or being transgender. And I want to tell you that gender dysphoria is a part of that. It fits underneath that. But, but transgenderism uh, is a larger umbrella than that. Uh, transgenderism and gender dysphoria, uh, 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 um, there's lots of different expressions of what's going on there and with gender confusion. As a matter of fact, I was, I was talking with somebody, it might have been Warren, a couple of weeks ago, and, and we talked about the fact that in certain states, in the United States of America, uh, you have the ability to choose more than male and female for your gender. 
for some states, I think it's as many as uh, nine or 13 or, or I mean, it's, it's very, it's out there, it's, it's big. In my opinion, that's, a, that, it, that's not God's standard for who we are supposed to be and how we're supposed to be moving forward, okay? A uh, couple of statistics here, again. Um, statistical data indicates as low as 0.5% and as high as 1% of the population in the United States of America, that's 327 million people here, are struggling with some form of gender identification related issues. That's a lot of people, right? That's between 1.6 million or 3.2 million people in the United States only who are affected by some form of gender identity confusion. That's a lot of people. We can compare those numbers, that, that, that 3.2 million or even that 1.6 million to the population of our nearest largest city in Wisconsin here. Milwaukee in 2017 had how many is that? 595,000 people. So if you take up all of Milwaukee and you double it, that's how many people struggle with gender identity confusion. That's a lot of people. The reason why it's important for us to mention this is that sometimes when I talk to fellow believers, uh, uh, they, 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 they comment about this issue and they dismiss it. Well, that's only such and such percent of the people in the world. So we don't really, or we really shouldn't deal with that. But I want to remind us that Jesus said that he came to impact the lives of the least, the last, and the lost. Amen? And when we think about least, a lot of times we thought about people who didn't have normal physical access to resources. But I want to tell you that God cares about you, whether or not you're one or whether you're the 99. God is, is interested in that population of individuals and people. He wants to see uh, uh, people who are struggling with gender identity confusion. He wants to see them uh, uh, impacted positively by the gospel. What does this look like in our society? In addition to the psychological and sociological and emotional challenges that the fall presents us, and I uh, uh, leaned into this a little bit earlier, there are biological and physical challenges as well. So I want to tell you that there's three different genetic biological issues that people in our world are dealing with. The first one is called Klinefelter syndrome. Uh, it's an extra chromosome biologically where a person has the physical traits of both sexes, male parts and female parts. Guess what? There are people who are born like that. Uh, Androgen insensitivity syndrome. Physical traits of a male, but the genetic makeup of a female. It should say female there. Uh, the last one, congenital adrenal hypoplasia. It's an inherited genetic condition. And uh, the first person that I've heard of who had this is actually very popular in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, there's a man uh, uh, who uh, is uh, uh, a general in George Washington's army, okay? We've named high schools and cities after this, uh, uh, after this general. Uh, this, this person was a, a renowned 
expert in Calvary, okay? And, and, and this person's last name is Pulaski. And how we came to know about the fact that this gentleman may have had this condition is that uh, when he died, they buried his body and preserved it in like this, this uh, uh, not a mausoleum, like one of those, uh, when you're famous, you do really cool statues, but it was like a, I can't think of the name of it. It's, it's a monument, thank you, a monument. And, and they buried his bones in, in the monument. And, and the monument was starting to deteriorate, and so they went to excavate it, and they, when they pulled it out, they found the bones of that body. And then people who are weird and crazy said, hey, let's put these bones together to figure out what's going on here. And they noticed that the hip structure didn't look like man's hips. And they began to do more research and more study, and they confirmed that it actually was that general, and they confirmed that through mitochondrial DNA studies that, uh, um, again, that was, that, that was the general, that was the person, uh, but they then began to look at some of the historical commentary about him, and uh, 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 they believe that right now that young man, or that, that gentleman, had that disease. He, he didn't spend a lot of time associating with, with males uh, in terms of, uh, like around the camps, he was a loner. Didn't spend time with females, he was a loner. Uh, but incredibly short, like me, and skillful with riding horses. Unlike me, I don't like horses, they scare me. But this, that, that's, that's his condition. All right, so I want to take a pause here, and I want us to think about this. When a lot of times when we start talking about individuals who are struggling with gender issues or gender-related issues, our first reaction as believers is judgment. Let me, let me, my first reaction is judgment. Let me, let me, let me, my first reaction was judgment. It was knee-jerk, it was complete, and it was done. But here I have now, because of the fall, individuals who have no fault of their own have a physical condition that makes things a little bit weird when they have to interface with everybody else in society. I don't know about you, but I have a new compassion. I have a new compassion. I look at those individuals in this situation a little bit differently because this is a reality in our culture. What does it look like in our culture? I don't want us to be deceived, though. Because even though we have uh, people who have real psychological issues, and by the way, as it pertains to the psychological and emotional issues, there's a lot of them that go around in our society because of the fall, right? But we don't come at people who struggle with depression the same way that we struggle or come at people that have gender identity issues. We don't come at people who have uh, uh, um, any number of different mental health issues the same way that we come at people that have gender identification issues. We come at them a little bit differently. Maybe it's because of our hangup or our lack of, again, understanding and discussion around sexual related issues in the body of Christ, but I'm just speaking the reality. And so I want to tell you, even in our, in our opening verses, when we talk about all have sinned, hey, this is an equal playing field here, friends. If you struggle with anger, if you struggle with murder, if you struggle with lust, if you struggle with avarice, if you struggle with idolatry, 
you're in the same boat as somebody who is struggling with another issue. So you can't pick and choose. We're all guilty as it pertains to having things that we have to work through. Amen? But I don't want us to be deceived because there is a real agenda being driven by individuals in our world who are pursuing deeply rooted values that are contrary to the values represented in the kingdom of God. That's just the truth. I want to share with you there's two verses there. I'm going to look at Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Uh, the second verse that's there uh, from Timothy says uh, exactly the same thing. But it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. So, so the issue is, Randy, and I'm talking to myself now, if somebody is born a certain way, and, and they're struggling with something, and they can't change it, how is that evil? Like, shouldn't we be making some allowances for that? And I want to tell you that, uh, for those of you who don't know, I volunteer uh, at a prison on Monday nights, and when I'm there, there's men who are guilty of all kinds of different crimes. Murder. Pedophilia. Uh, rape, incest, drug selling, violence, all of those individuals I'm elbow to elbow with, and we're talking about the gospel. We are worshiping our Lord and King. We are moving forward. At, not, not at one point would I ever look at somebody who struggled with pedophilia. At not one point would I say to them, hey, I know that you probably are working through some issues, but that's not a really an issue. That's not evil. It's just, we're okay. Let's just still pursue Christ. No, uh, uh, the Lord has established a standard. He's established what things should look like in his perfect world. And we need to honor that. We need to be aware of that. We need to, to pursue that. But again, we have an agenda or we have a group of individuals who are pushing against that and they're doing it in an aggressive way in the world that we live in. Uh, Mark Yarhouse on page 23 uh, summed it up well by saying some people are capitalizing on discussions in this area to deconstruct sex and gender. So it, 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 it's going beyond just, uh, uh, um, from their perspective, meeting with people and understanding what they're struggling with, but yet being very clear with what God's standards are. They want to, their end goal is to have a society where there is no gender, where there is no sex. Um, I think the popular word is adronogy, right? Where everybody's the same. We all look the same. We all act the same. We all, there's no difference between male and female. And I want to tell you, God's heartbeat is, and this is straight from the scriptures, there is no difference from male and female. When it comes to our need for the gospel, and when it comes to our value in society. That's what the scripture says, right? But, but to take it so far as to say that there are no unique purposes between male and female, that there's no unique honoring or roles or, or those things, that's a bridge too far. 
because I think that, again, the agenda, this attack of, 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 of moving forward with an agenda of androgyny is, is, is not just looking out for people who are hurting. It's really an agenda that says that you stand on the word of God. You say you stand on the Bible and look, everything that you say you stand on is not true. There is no male, no female, even though God clearly says that there's male and female, right? Genesis 1, chapter 26 and through 28. Male and female, he created them. Very clear scripture, right? Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5. Now, this is more murky for individuals who are struggling with gender identification issues. But Genesis, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5 uh, is, is, is God's instruction clearly in black and white that says, hey, women, don't dress like men. Hey, men, don't dress like women. Okay? It's unclear because the scripture does not deal with the physical uh, 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 issues that we talked about earlier with people that have those uh, uh, physical traits that are, are different than what our traditional expression is. And it, it is not addressing um, the psychological challenges that, that people have because of the fall. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, many people who, uh, uh, people who are smarter than me who are uh, um, doing research, they make this observation that really when you look at Old Testament culture, everyone wore the long um, like gown type things, right? Uh, and so how men and women look differently, it's not the same way that we view those things, number one. And the second observation is, is that God was differentiating the people of God, the nation of Israel, away from what has been done in Canaanite religion, where they would actually, as a worship practice, do the gender role switching thing, where the males would take up on, I don't know, it's weird, okay? I just, I'll just put it like that. But you study some of the pagan religions, and there's a lot of interesting stuff that has happened and that has gone on. As a matter of fact, I'll just say this last thing quickly. Um, we have uh, a lot of sexual practices that get engaged in, uh, even in today's world. If you're looking at the news at all, and if you study the occult, you'll find out that individuals are doing a lot of crazy things in order to pursue a spiritual power as they are walking those things through. And I want to tell you that it is my belief that from a spiritual perspective, this is part of the agenda that our, that, that, that individuals who are enemies of the cross of Christ, that they're trying to pursue. That's what they're pushing on. All right? I want to just also point you to uh, this book um, that really kind of uh, spells out the fact that there is indeed an agenda. Individuals who have college degrees have gone into their uh, uh, offices and they've written books about how can we move the culture from one way to another, from one way of thinking to another. So, so they're actively engaging in efforts to redefine and to, and to push a certain agenda upon uh, individuals, a larger society. So that, again, we get into a place where we call evil good and good evil. Mark Yalhouse says this, as Christians, we need to provide care to people in social and cultural contexts characterized by ideological and political battles. We need to think about, 
uh, uh, rising above the culture war when providing ministry and pastoral care and support. We keep it in view, the culture war, while we provide service and compassionate care. This is to say that those individuals who are offering an agenda and a mindset that is different than what God has for us, they're not the enemy in the same way. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, we don't battle against flesh and blood, but it's principalities, it's uh, a spiritual uh, thrones of wickedness, it's the schemes of our enemy. That's who the real battle is against. Uh, uh, those individuals who are moving an agenda forward, our role is, is wholly different when we engage with them, right? Wholly different. There's a different practice, a different mindset that we need to, to have as we are looking to serve individuals who are struggling with this issue. I want to take some time to transition and talk about what we practically can do, okay? I hope that you've heard that there is a standard. The standard is what God has established in his perfect order, in his perfect world. We've fallen short of that individually, but as a culture, and that sin has affected society in a lot of different ways, right? That should stir up in us compassion. Compassion for individuals who, although their issue might be gender confusion and difficulty, and again, that's beneath or below the standards that God has set for us. Um, we also have our own stuff that we're working through. Amen? So what are we to do? How are we to engage and interact? I want to play a, a music video for us real fast, and I want you to pay attention to the words and the song as it comes forward, and then I'll come back up and we'll close with uh, courage, how we uh, can be uh, courageous actors in the midst of this difficult, challenging topic. The artist said that it's not one or the other. It's hard truth, but ridiculous grace. We're all fully known, but loved by the Lord Jesus. There's two types of individuals that I want to address my words of courage to, and I'll go quickly. If you're struggling with gender dysphoria, gender confusion, my heart and my compassion goes out to you. You can't tell that necessarily by looking at someone and to know what's going on in their mind and in their heart. But I want to tell you that, that God fully knows you. He fully understands that level of confusion. He didn't birth it or offer it. It's because of the fall that that's the reality of what you're going through. And I want to tell you that um, we find words of wisdom in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 9 through 10. And in that passage, Paul talks about the thorn that was given to him in his flesh. And he says, Lord, I struggled and I fought and I didn't want it. And I prayed and I cried out and I said, help! And I didn't get an answer. 
except for the answer that says, my grace is sufficient for you. When you're weak, lean on me and I will become strength for you. My brothers, my sisters in this place, fight the good fight if you are struggling with gender confusion. Be willing to engage and stand for the truth of who Christ is and what his standards are, not buying into the culture of this world or, or, or uh, messages that, that, that this world wants to speak into your heart and to your mind. They have an agenda for you, and that's to pull you away from the relationship that you can have with the cross of Christ. Fight the good fight of faith because no matter what your struggle or what your state is, if you choose to honor and to pursue God, he will satisfy you. And I tell you, I wish that I could say to you that it's going to happen tomorrow or immediately after you pray, but that won't be the reality. Just like how the things that I struggle with, fear, anxiety, rejection, pride, man, I don't like those things in me. And I pray, Lord, help me, Lord, release, and it doesn't happen overnight. But you and I can agree to trust God regardless of the temptation and regardless of the battle that we're engaging in. Finally, there's counsel that says that if you're struggling with gender dysphoria, choose the least invasive action in order to identify with who God has created you to be. And I know that's muddy and it's confusing, but I think that takes counsel, that takes professional help, that takes spiritual and pastoral help, but God has not left you just out there. He's your father, he's your friend, who shed his blood for you, just like he shed his blood for me. There's healing in his presence. And it takes courage. The last word of courage is for the individual who desires to really reflect Christ and their movement forward. And for that individual, I want to offer to us Micah chapter 6, verses 8. Micah chapter 6, verses 8 uh, tells us that uh, God's desire for us is to um, really to love truth and to pursue mercy and to walk in humility. To walk in humility is to recognize that a distant struggle of theirs could easily be ours. I mean, many of us who boast and brag about the fact that you happen to be born with a clear uh, 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 anatomy that causes you not to have to worry your struggle, that isn't necessarily, I mean, it could be just as easily something different. And that should impact your heart and your level of compassion. Walk humbly before your God. Secondly, love kindness. My friends, be open to the struggle and the journey of somebody else who's lost. Be open to a relationship in terms of uh, um, uh, um, connecting and, 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 and treating people normally who, who maybe are on that process. And you can clearly look that, hmm, this person 
They don't look the way that I think that they should look or act the way that I think they should act. Instead of dismissing them and saying, well, that person's a part of that kind of agenda and, and cutting yourself off from relationship with them, be open to having that conversation and relationship. Now, that doesn't mean that we're saying compromise the value. But in the same way that you needed someone to, to be the hands and feet of Christ to you, individuals who are struggling with this issue need you also to be the hands and feet of Christ as well. And that is indeed an act of kindness. And then the final uh, admonition that takes courage is to do justice and to walk with them to reflect his glorious grace. And this means to say this. Uh, there's a, a comment or a movement that's about being an ally, okay? And, and they basically, around this, this topic, and this, this goes beyond gender dysphoria, it talks about like some of the other issues. Uh, listen, be free and be bold to say that just because you don't agree with everything that someone else says or does as it pertains to these gender uh, issues, it doesn't mean that you're being prejudiced. It doesn't mean that you're hateful. It doesn't mean that you're an awful person. It doesn't mean that, that uh, you're guilty of, 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 of some kind of bigotry, okay? Don't take that up on you. But understand that that still doesn't dismiss you from when you see an injustice being done that you can stand up for that. The body of Christ, when we see people who are struggling with various issues, no matter what it is, for us to be silent and to not be angry at physical abuse of someone who is different, murder of someone who is different, discrimination uh, uh, in any kind of way because of someone who is different, that's not Jesus. That's not justice. And I want to encourage all of us as believers to have a different level of engagement, if you will, to others who are struggling because it could have easily been us. With that being said, I want to thank you so much for your patience. Uh, I do want to tell us that the scripture brings us back to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. All of us are sinned. We're sinners. Uh, the way that we get reconciled and be okay with God, which is the ultimate goal for us in our walks, is to submit to the cross of Christ. And that's difficult no matter what things you're struggling with. Whether you're struggling with being salt and light or whether you're struggling with gender identification issues. Can we close in prayer? Actually, Pastor Jeremy, you want me to close in prayer? You want to say a word or two? Father, thank you so much uh, for today uh, and for this challenging issue. Lord, I pray that, uh, again, this is the beginning of a process by which we can continue to chew on and talk about and think about, Lord, how we can best glorify you as we engage in a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name, amen.